Caribbean Birth Stories has been brought to you by the Amai Birth Collection. Head over to theamishop.com. That's the A-M-A-I-Shop.com for special offers and to learn more about the Amai family. Hi, my name is Dr. Chanel Otley Allen, host of Caribbean Bird Stories. This is the first and only podcast that focuses on Caribbean women from all walks of life, narrating their journey of giving birth, navigating self-care postpartum, and parenting across the beautiful islands of the Caribbean and the diaspora. Caribbean Bird Stories has been and continues to provide a space for honest, non-judgmental conversations. Welcome to season three. So welcome to Caribbean Birth Stories. Today's episode is a bit different in that you won't be hearing a boot story necessarily. This is now the third season of Caribbean Birth Stories. And what has been a central theme throughout my interviews is this symbiotic relationship between mental health and booth experiences. I'm happy to see in the Caribbean that more and more people are vocal about their mental health challenges and specifically mothers are blocking the narrative that the health and well-being of their offspring supersedes their own mental health. To help guide us through this sometimes overwhelming period in a woman's life, our reproductive years, is Dr. Sharianne James. Dr. Sharianne James was born in Trinidad and Tobago and is a licensed psychologist, a certified perinatal mental health professional, and founder of Perinatal Wellness and Psychological Services in Orlando, Florida. She is also the co-founder and president of Central Florida Postpartum Alliance, a nonprofit in Orlando, and works with Postpartum Support International as a trainer, as well as with their certification process. Dr. James creates a safe space for individuals and couples to share, grow, and heal. She specializes in perinatal grief and loss, fertility challenges, pregnancy and postpartum mood and anxiety disorders. Also specializing in psychological evaluation for egg donors, gestational carriers, surrogates, and psychological consultations for intended parents. So get your notebooks ready. You may have to write some stuff down. (laughs) Hi, Sharian. How are you? I am great. Thank you for inviting me. It's so wonderful to be here. Oh, thank you for making the time. I know it's a busy time, a busy season for us. Mm -hmm. So before we begin, Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about how you came to be living in the United States, having been born and raised in Trinidad and Tobago. Yes, uh, quite a journey it has been. That seemed like such a long time ago because I've been in the U.S. now for many, many, many years. Um, But how I landed here to begin with is um, I was a swimmer. I was a national swimmer for Trinidad and Tobago, and I've been swimming um, since the age of five competitively. Okay. And I I mean, a lot of intense work. (laughs) Waking up in the morning. Yes. Because I know you guys train like twice a day and stuff like that. Oh, running, swimming, going to the gym. It was it was a lot, you know, but yes. it actually got me here to the US. I got a swimming scholarship okay. um to attend undergrad here in the US. Um 
and then just really stayed, you know, continued on from my bachelor's and continued on to get my PhD in counseling psychology and, you know, made the U.S. Oh, my home. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And um, your undergrad was in psychology as well? My undergrad was in psychology. Um, and after getting my undergrad at St. Peter's College, it's a very small liberal arts college. However, I have to say that some people may have heard about it now okay. um, because we're in the Sweet 16 for NCAA uh, men. Oh, which is a big, big deal. deal for a small school. Yes. About 2,000 students. Oh, wow. Um, so <laughs> very small. So that's like an exciting little tidbit happening right now. Right. Um, so I swam for them. And while there, I my undergrad in psychology. Um, and then once I finished up with, you know, my undergrad, I knew that I wanted to continue within the field of psychology. I was thinking about organizational psychology, and I actually do have a master's from Columbia University in organizational psych, um, but felt that it wasn't quite of a fit, you know, for me. So I continued on with counseling psychology, still from Columbia University, and that felt more like my professional home because then I was able to help people in a way that you know I can see them grow and blossom and gain some insights into themselves in a way that I wasn't able to do with organizational psychology so I really stuck with counseling and then pursued right. my, my PhD at the University of Georgia. Okay wow. Yeah and then have been here ever, ever since. since. Now I'm in Florida but um, after finishing that up, I kind of like remained here and mm -hmm. moved down to Florida. Now I've been in Florida for over 10 years. Yeah. About 15 years now. Yeah. Wow. That's a long time. <laughs> it's a long journey, as I, you know, as I mentioned, really long. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing that. Mm -hmm. Now we speak a lot about mental health nowadays, especially. Mm -hmm. But what does it really mean when someone says mental health? Mm -hmm. Well, mental health is really, you know, kind of taking a pulse on, you know, what's happening to you emotionally as well as cognitively. Yeah. You know, so often when people think of health, a lot of people really focus on one's physical health. Yeah. Um, but part of health is physical, but it's also emotional, psychological. So it's kind of looking to see what are some of the things that may be persisting in one's life that may be a, a dysfunction for them. What is there that is creating a barrier that's preventing them from being able to live the life that they've always wanted to live, live a life full of purpose, live a life full of joy? What are those things that are getting in the way that are making those individuals feel stuck? And, you know, with regards to mental health, that is a pretty big, you know, umbrella. There are so many things that could come under that with regards to an individual. It can be, you know, depression. It could be anxiety. It can be OCD. Mm -hmm. You know, it could be someone who's experienced a traumatic, you know, life experience. There's so many things that fall under that. And sometimes when somebody is is recognizing that, you know what, I don't quite feel like myself. I feel off. I know something is going on, you know, there. Mm -hmm. 
I think that's like the first like sign kind of noticing that, you know, I'm not quite feeling like myself. They may not know what it is. They may not know necessarily what to label it, but being able to have that acknowledgement and recognition that if something is off and something is going on here Mm -hmm. and then kind of taking it upon themselves to seek help. I mean, that's like a huge step and it takes a lot of courage. And I always commend, you know, clients who come through the door that that first step that you took to to make that call or send that email was huge because you're recognizing that there are things in your life that you want to improve. Right. You know, there are things that, you know, you see for yourself that isn't necessarily, you know, fulfilling at this point in your life and, and you want to be better. Yeah. You want to be healed. You want to be, you know, fill in, fill in the blank. Yeah. So mental health is a huge umbrella and there are a lot of things that, you know, mm-hmm. fit into it. And it's so important that people take it mm-hmm. seriously. And I, and I feel as though there's been a change in the tide where people are taking it a lot more seriously and people are advocating and speaking about it more. And you, you're hearing about it on social media. Athletes are talking about their mental health or, celebrities are talking about it um and then normalizing that you know this is an experience that anyone can go through right. no matter your race ethnicity social class that mm-hmm. you know a lot of people could be sick could be faced with mental health issues and yeah. there's no shame none and not at all so mm-hmm. okay now before we get into some of the challenges mm-hmm. um for our listeners that are possibly pregnant at this point in time, mm-hmm. what would be your top pieces of advice for them? They may not necessarily be struggling with anything. Right. They're already pregnant and maybe having a relatively smooth pregnancy, mm-hmm. but how should they mentally prepare for birth and delivery and labor and that postpartum period? Mm-hmm. What's up, what are some of the things they should be doing? some of the things that are important during the pregnancy phase is to well first make sure you're checking in with yourself Mm -hmm. to see how you are doing right right you know so often you know during this this phase during pregnancy and during the postpartum period you know a lot of focus can be on the baby of course the baby's development which you need to have that focus on mm-hmm. but also checking in with mom how are you doing mm-hmm. how are you feeling mm-hmm. do you have mm-hmm. you know any you know low mood do you feel tearful are you sad do you have difficulty sleeping kind of really assessing truly you know, where that woman is mentally, mm-hmm. because they're going in physically to get, you know, their blood work done. Um, they're going to check to see if they have gestational diabetes. They're drinking that like sugary drink, yes. right? Like they're doing all of those things, right? How is your blood pressure? You know, checking in physically to see how you're doing. Important to do that, mm-hmm. but how are you mentally, emotionally? Mm-hmm. You know, wh- where is the check in with regard to that? So, definitely having the space to check in with a pregnant mom mm-hmm. with regards to where they are emotionally. And also, I think it's important to, to take that time too when pregnant uh, to connect 
with a baby that's growing inside of you. Mm-hmm. You know, so often some people may think that bonding and connection takes place once the baby is here and they're born. Mm-hmm. But so much is happening in utero. Yes. So being able to to form that connection and that bond mm-hmm. while the baby is growing, you know, for the mom to have that connection, for partners, spouses, even like family members to have that connection with the baby in utero is so important to do yeah um, and that could be as simple as just just talking to the baby you mm-hmm. can take a baby book and read to the baby mm-hmm. you can sing to the baby you know you can share with them what you're doing on a daily basis like oh i'm going to the store i'm gonna get you know x y and z or i'm going to work just starting to have that conversation and dialogue so they get used to your sound mm-hmm. is so important. So that's something that should be happening, you know, in utero, you know, as well. I think there's so much focus, you know, during pregnancy on uh, like what stroller should I get? Uh, all these like, cute, and yes, there are a lot of nice, cute clothes, cute baby stuff. There's a lot yes. of stuff out there, right? And you get excited hey it's it's important to get excited right about those things right and baby showers and reveals and all of that great stuff like happens in this process mm-hmm. but also take the time to connect yeah you know with your baby you could also journal too like i encourage you know some clients to take that time to write about the experience yeah you know how has this pregnancy been for me mm-hmm. and really kind of going at it from a like emotional like standpoint you know how am i feeling how am i doing was the first trimester mm-hmm. you know what are some thoughts that i have what are some fears that i have right um what are some hopes you know so really being able to reflect on some of those things are very important during uh, the the pregnancy, you know, period. Yeah, I like that. I really like mm-hmm. that. Um, and one thing that I didn't do much of was the journaling during my pregnancy. And now, you know, in hindsight, I wish I did mm-hmm. a little bit more of that mm-hmm. because, yeah, you know, you forget about some of the things you thought about or were fearful of. Yes. And you, you know, you were able to overcome and succeed. And, mm-hmm. you know, so it would have been nice to have that documented. So that's mm-hmm. a memory. You touched a little bit about on this earlier when you spoke about the fertility and infertility issues. Mm-hmm. So you, U.S. census statistics show that the number of births in the U.S. have declined every year since 2008, with the exception of 2014. Mm-hmm. And there are similar patterns in other countries. In my generation, so in our generation, we're like millennials. Mm -hmm. um, It seems as though more women are waiting to have babies. And so therefore having babies at an older age for various reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, But sometimes oblivious to the repercussions of such a decision to wait, right? Mm -hmm. And then we are ready to try. And the reality is like, it hits you like a ton of bricks. Why aren't I getting pregnant or Mm -hmm. what's going on? This isn't as easy as they said it would be. Mm -hmm. You know, talk me through how you navigate some of these emotions associated with infertility. Yeah. Infertility is a big, a a big topic, right? Of discussion. You, you hear people talking about it more, which I think is important because then Mm -hmm. 
it, it normalizes it. And when you're experiencing it and going through it, you don't feel like you're alone. Right. I mean, one in eight, one in eight couples mm-hmm. experience some sort of fertility challenge. Right. That's a, that's a huge number. Yes. Right. And uh, just think about some of the people who may not be accounted for even some like marginalized groups who are right. like part of that statistic but it, it is like happening mm-hmm. you know there as well and and is is important to like you know as you know there are there are like a lot of resources you know out there for people to be able to go to to kind of get some in, more information like AASRM, American Society for Reproductive Medicine. Right. Um, they do have a platform for professionals, but also for, you know, p- potential like patients. Um, and what's good about their, their site is that they have podcasts, they have, um, you know, webinars, they have some good uh, fact sheets available. Right. So people can kind of have an understanding of the terminology. What is infertility? What is art? Mm-hmm. You know, assistive reproductive technology. What is IUI? What is IVF? You know, being able to educate yourself is important because then it doesn't sound so scary. Mm-hmm. And then you also have that recognition that a lot of other people are going through this the same journey or path that you have now found yourself on and yeah. you may not have realized or thought that you would have been on this path but here you are you're here mm-hmm. you know someone has probably tried to conceive for a year you know over you know there could be 35 plus or even like younger and then they find themselves having to go to a fertility clinic and use these interventions, you want to kind of have a sense of what IUI, IVF, what, yes, you know, all of these like terms. There's a lot of acronyms yes. when it comes to reproductive health. So, you know, so really having an understanding mm-hmm. of those things are important. And also being able to, and, and this is a piece, you know, that I stress, you know, a lot in working with clients is, you know, really taking time. If if you were to have, you know, a diagnosis, which is going to make you a little bit more challenged, you know, to conceive and you, you may have to use some interventions, okay. which, you know, can be one, it could be very daunting and stressful Two. it could take a financial you know tool yeah there, there are some companies that reimburse mm-hmm. and and you find more companies are doing that but there's some that aren't and it it's a pretty penny right to you know utilize these interventions mm-hmm. um but i think and it just seems as though like everything is just so like out of control like you know i have to do what i have to get these medications i have to inject myself or um, look at these bruises I'm so it's just it can be daunting and overwhelming right and you could see feel so out of control Mm -hmm. so one of the things that I help you know in terms of working with a lot of clients is okay so how can I gain a sense of control when everything around me just seems like chaos yes and you know one of the ways in which you can do that is through some you know mind-body you know, techniques, you know, so for example, you know, how can I, 
integrate more like mindfulness techniques how can i integrate breathing techniques yes how can i integrate some like grounding techniques so that i can have this integration of the mind and the body and it doesn't feel so disconnected Mm -hmm. when everything just seems so out of control Mm -hmm. so really implementing that and really creating a really creating a toolbox Mm -hmm. you know for people to have to utilize some of these like skills and techniques um when they feel like physically i'm going through all of this stuff yeah the injections and medications and all that emotionally it just seems like it's a lot and it seems chaotic. How can I instill some calmness into my emotional state? Right. You know, and it could be something as simple as doing some like mindfulness breathing, mm-hmm. you know, just being able to mind. I could do one now. It could take like a minute. Oh yeah. Let's, tr- let's do it. Oh, sure. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, and this really only takes, you know, like a minute or two. So, you know, just you know, just sit in your chair mm-hmm. and then just make sure your your back is, is straight and erect. And you can close your eyes. You can open your eyes. It's whatever feels comfortable for you. And then you're going to take a couple of deep breaths in. And then release. And as you're breathing in and out, I want you to t- pay attention to that breath and where you feel it the most. Is it kind of like in a nostril area? You could put a hand on the chest or in the belly to see, is movement more in my chest? Is it more in my belly? And then take a couple more deep breaths in and out. And then while you're doing that, you may notice a thought coming through in your mind. And when that happens, just let go gently, that thought, and then come back to the breath, the deep breath. In. And thoughts may pop in and thoughts may pop out and you don't want to judge it and you don't want to be critical because thoughts do come in and out. But when they do, you want to just gently let it go. I know that that thought doesn't have to be with you right now and you could just focus on your breath. So that's something that you can do. You know, that just takes a couple minutes, right? And And I already feel like, (sighs) and you already feel that release, right? Yeah. All right. I feel that release. Mm -hmm. Something like that. Yes. It's it's so important to integrate. And and the thing that's important is that you don't want to integrate that when you're, okay, I'm stressed and I'm panicked. I have a lot to do. It's like, how can I have a daily practice of this? Mm -hmm. So saying that, okay, when I wake up in the morning, maybe this is something that I can do in the morning, maybe something midday and something before I go to sleep. Right. So that I can already have that really create nice sensation like throughout the day. And I'm not just like pulling at it when I'm Mm -hmm. at my most anxious and panic moment right <laughs> so yeah yeah i yeah. yeah. really like that mm-hmm. and you know so that's i think for the 
the the person that is going through the treatment the fertility treatment or yeah. thinking about okay if this is the next step for them mm-hmm. but the impact on relationships so marriages if you're married mm-hmm. and just relationships if you have a partner um you know how how do you go about discussing these emotions that you're feeling for the first time mm-hmm. that you never you know even considered yeah um, about possibly, you know, your body failing you. I've heard this in the podcast before yes. where women feel like their body has failed them. They're not, you know, their body isn't doing what it's meant to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so emotions come up because of that. Yeah. And then now, you, to how do you express that to your partner mm-hmm. in a loving way, mm-hmm. but yet in a way that, you know, they feel they can somehow validate or reciprocate something yeah you know I don't know I I don't have the language for it because I myself I guess I don't know but um what do you think yeah it's so important to incorporate partners spouses Mm -hmm. into this dialogue yes A, a lot of the times especially if the the interventions are done with a woman they can feel quite isolated because they're feeling kind of like that, like physical, mm-hmm. you know, the physical discomfort and the pain throughout the process where the partner isn't. Right. Right. So, so sometimes that can cause a disconnect and a discord, you know, within the relationship. Mm-hmm. So at the very beginning, having open lines of communication and dialogue with your partner is crucial and creating a space where you can be open and honest. So if you just say, Hey, you know, I am not feeling really good right now. Mm -hmm. You know, I am in pain. I am so, you know, with all these hormones, I am just really depressed. Being, having a partner there who can like truly listen And, you know, they wouldn't understand, like, fully, Mm -hmm. you know, what, you know, their partner may be going through. But to be physically present and sit there and be there Mm -hmm. is so important and crucial. And, you know, like, I have clients who say that that's all that they're looking for in their partner. You know, they don't have the answers. They don't have the solutions, right? No. Mm -hmm. But all they want is someone is for them to know that they are there. They are there in this. Mm. You know, while they may not be going through all the physical stuff, it's a partnership and a team. You know, yeah. They, you know, with with a partnership, they are both wanting this. Mm-hmm. They are both wanting this child. So, yeah. you know, having that conversation in terms of, well, how can I help you? What do you need? What can be beneficial? What can I do for you? How can I help? Even things that like you may not expect. Like, how can I help around the house? Like, I know you're uncomfortable. I know you're in pain. Yeah. Well, let me do that for you. I know you typically do this, but let me take that away from oh, you. Oh, that would be good. That, <laughs> right? <laughs> because I know this is difficult. And sometimes people going through this process of, say, IVF, for example, and they may already have a child, right. you know, at so it's like, oh, well, can you can you help with that child, put them to sleep and and be like the primary here mm-hmm. until I get to a place where I feel like I can, you know, 
do that again like that task mm-hmm. or that activity so really trying to kind of meet each other yes is so important it's it's a team it's a partnership mm-hmm. so you want to make sure that that dialogue is always there and and right. and not feeling like you have to keep things in or shy away from yeah. you know what's going on you want to be open and transparent yeah with how you're feeling physically and emotionally so just creating that environment from the very beginning is important mm-hmm. okay i think that's really good good pieces of advice um mm-hmm. because yeah i think communication is just like oh. we know it's important yeah but it's so like we don't communicate well most times which is like source of most of our issues but anyway that's another episode (laughs) that is another episode yes yes relationship communication right yes i know (laughs) i'll have to bring you back um so as more and more people explore reproductive options Mm -hmm. right can you describe for us what considerations should be addressed if someone is leaning towards engaging with a surrogate? Mm-hmm. So I know in the Caribbean, it may not be as commonplace as it right. is up here, mm-hmm. but you know, whether it's a surrogate, a gestational carrier, mm-hmm. if they are unable to get pregnant themselves, what are some of the things that they should be considering? Yeah, what Some of the things that they should be considering. So if you're at a point on your journey where you feel as though you have to use third party reproduction. So that is, Hmm. you know, gestational carrier, um, you know, egg donors, embryo donation or sperm donation. When you're kind of like at that point, because, you know, so far in your process, you may have diminished ovarian reserve Mm -hmm. or, so many other things may have come up along your journey, which has like led you there. That piece in and of itself, mm-hmm. before even like getting to that, but like the idea of now I have to move to this step, that place that you're in really requires some processing. Right. Because you think about now the loss that has occurred with, okay, I thought that I would have kids with a genetic tie to me. Mm-hmm. Now I have to think about, for example, using donor eggs. Yeah. So really being able to get your mind around, oh, so what does this mean, right? Mm-hmm. What does this mean for me and my family? Now I'm kind of like losing that opportunity to have that genetic tie, Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And, and you need to grieve that because that's a loss. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to grieve that loss and really process what that means, you know, for you, because there are a lot of things that come up. Yeah. You know, there are a lot of people who envision their family before their family is there. Right. So even growing up, you know, like early adulthood, even like teenagers sometimes envision like what their family will look like. And they see, Oh, I see a mini me. Yeah. Yeah. Myself, but a smaller version, right. Of a child. Mm -hmm. So if you think about someone like carrying that, Mm -hmm. now they need to process, well what what does this mean now when that may not be realized for example right so at first it comes with like the grief Mm -hmm. like around now having to use third party reproduction right so in the in the case of you know having to use an egg donor for example one is the the grief of not being able to utilize your own eggs Mm -hmm. what does it mean now to use donor eggs the process of 
you know, choosing, yeah. you know, a profile can be pretty, pretty daunting for people. And in a way it could seem like, okay, I'm on match.com here because now I'm trying to, you know, find someone that looks kind of like me, you know, like yeah. some same physical characteristics. And then you, other things that you're checking at, you know, in terms of the education and the health history. So there is a lot that goes into choosing right. that profile that you think, okay, I think this will be a good you know fit and then you have to think about okay if you're using now your your partners or your husband's or your spouse's sperm mm -hmm. right so it will be the embryo will be a mix of like the donor egg and then your partner's sperm like so talking about that and processing like that piece of it yeah what does that mean mm -hmm. do you feel about that mm -hmm. um you know do you have any fears do you have any concerns so that also kind of like takes some time to process and think through yeah. as well and you know once you go through you know that process of okay you go through IVF you know you have the embryo transferred and everything then once this child is here there's this other component of this disclosure, mm -hmm. right? And then what does that look like? Yeah. You know, am I going to disclose to my child? Am I disclosing this to my family that I use a donut egg? Like, how do you feel about that? How do you make meaning of that? That's a really good question because mm -hmm. I think in particular in the Caribbean, I, I can speak for the Caribbean. I mm -hmm. don't know anywhere else, but <laughs> we always want to know like yeah. you know she, she was she's been marrying x amount of years yeah and she hasn't had a child yet something must be wrong right mm -hmm. that's the first thing mm -hmm. and then okay suddenly she gets pregnant or she has a child right. but the child don't really look like her and you know it's just like mm -hmm. people want to be in, in your, your business, business yeah uh -huh. <laughs> yes um so that disclosure thing yeah um it's huge, it's huge because you might confide in one person, but then that person might not necessarily hold your trust and right. say, right. you know, say to other people. So, yeah. And even to the child, how do you even have that conversation? And the, and with the child specifically, you know, is important. And I talk with, you know, when I'm meeting with intended parents who utilize and do the eggs, this is a conversation that we have, mm -hmm. um, because you have, you know, parents who are coming in saying, nope, I don't want to disclose to anyone. This is something between my partner and I. Right. And then you have, you know, you know, families who are, yes, we want to disclose to everyone is important. And we have this conversation because it's important for them to kind of know, mm -hmm. you know, what it means, right? Like this decision. Yeah. Because just think about, you know, this child who is now growing up what would it be like to to feel like you now you're like you're holding this like secret mm -hmm. because like holding secrets is almost as though there's like some shame or stigma to it right and you don't want a child growing up thinking that this is a secret or there's some shame to being conceived in this with the use of donut eggs mm -hmm. because there's no shame mm -hmm. in that yeah. right mm -hmm. this is the path that has led to this beautiful family you know being here mm -hmm. and there are a lot of books that are out there um to talk to kids about how they've been conceived and i'm talking more like children's books what? because the idea is that you talk to kids from young mm -hmm. you know and you use language that's appropriate for their age right so yes they don't they're not going to know all the technical jargon 
but you can talk about how, oh, we needed, you know, help. You know, we needed help for you to be conceived and for you to be here and be part of us and part of our family and we're a wonderful unit and you know and as the child gets older you use language that's more like child appropriate right yeah. so that they can understand a little bit more of you know how they were conceived because when you think about it too with ancestry.com and 23andme yeah. there are a lot of kids now adults who have done that yes. test, right? And they come back to their parents and like, wait a minute, what, what's what, going on? What's going on? Yeah. And that's the point in which the parent discloses. Oh my, I never even thought of that. Can you imagine what that does to a child? Yeah. Right? Who's now adult, now who's taking on this new information uh. about their sense of self and their identity. So, mm-hmm. you know, you really have to think about all of that, you know, this process. Oh yeah. Oh, that, that's a lot. <laughs> um, so we've spoken a lot about infertility and b- being prepared during the, the, I guess, the perinatal period or mm-hmm. the antenatal period. But the postpartum period is a separate, yeah. you know, area that we, mm-hmm. so much is spoken about postpartum depression. And a little bit about psycho- the postpartum psychosis, mm-hmm. but less is mentioned about this postpartum anxiety. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, when should someone seek help? So, when is it a little bit more than just she has a little nerves or I feel a little on edge? Right. You know, after the baby, I'm a little nervous. Mm-hmm. But when is it? When is it? I guess dysfunctional. I don't know if that's the right word. Right. But yeah. When? Yeah. When should I get help? Mm-hmm. When when you feel like you've kind of passed that like tipping point, when it's getting out of control and it's impacting your daily functioning. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if you can no longer sleep, if you're just ruminating in thoughts, yes. If you are driven by fear, if you know, and sometimes with anxiety, it's both. It could be anxiety and depression. Right. Right. So if you're not sleeping, if you're not eating, if you just have ruminating thoughts, if there's a lot of like fear, mm-hmm. uh, some obsessive thinking, mm-hmm. and um, you you're just not like feeling like yourself. And and yes, during a postpartum period, there's a lot going on. Yes. You're trying to regulate hormonal. I mean, there's a lot. But, but if you get to a point where, no, this, this is not me, I am not in a good place and I know I can be better, mm-hmm. then that's at a point where, you know what, I should reach out to someone, mm-hmm. you know, seek help at this point. Because postpartum anxiety yeah, is very much real as well as postpartum rage, right. as well as so many things. You know, people talk about postpartum depression, but it's really an umbrella is perinatal mood and anxiety disorders okay so there's a lot that falls under that there's ocd you know their psychosis mm-hmm. anxiety you know people can have a lot of rage which they can be blindsided mm-hmm. by it's like i know i'm not an angry person but all of a sudden i had this child i want to like rip everyone's hair <laughs> you know like you feel like where is this coming from right if that is typically not you and who you know yourself to be well you know probably a good time to to seek help you know talk to a partner spouse a good friend a family member mm-hmm. um you know it's important at that point that yeah i need 
I need some, some help here. Right. And if it is that you're not able to identify this yourself Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, and you know, so for people, our listeners, Mm -hmm. they might be, they may have a partner who recently gave birth and realized, oh my gosh, she is just angry all the time. I don't understand why, Mm -hmm. you know, like how do they identify, okay, this is a problem and what approach should they use and possibly get them help because you don't know if mm-hmm. by suggesting that something is off that might make them more upset right you know so mm-hmm. having that right approach to okay I've noticed something is going on mm-hmm. let's get you help like how do we have that conversation yeah and that's important too sometimes you may not recognize it within yourself but it may be a partner or it may be a family member or parents mm-hmm. because sometimes I do have fathers and partners and family members grandparents contacting me you know so whereas a mom you know either they don't recognize it within themselves Mm -hmm. or afraid to acknowledge it or accept it or or what have you and you know usually it's good to have these conversations before baby comes so with clients I usually give them a postpartum you know, plan. And this is really good. And some of them really tend to, you know, it's like a checklist. Mm -hmm. So if you notice, for example, I'm not feeling like myself, or if you notice that I am sleeping more, I'm not engaged as I used to. And together, you know, the partners kind of go through that checklist so that if any of those that come up during the postpartum period, well, we already spoke about it. And we we already, you know, kind of like shared if any of these come up, well, we're going to, you know, seek some help here. So that's, you know, something that you can do that's preventative. But if that piece hasn't happened, right? And Mm -hmm. of course, in a situation where it's now the postpartum period and a partner or family member has noticed that, you know, just being able to have like a gentle, you know, conversation is, it's, is, is very important. Communication, communication in a very like gentle, yeah. compassionate mm-hmm. way in letting them know we are here for you. Mm-hmm. You know, we, you know, are a team, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, you're in the best place that you can possibly be, you know, we have your interest, right. you know, at heart here, you know, I can come with you, right. you know, to this appointment, mm-hmm. you know, I can be on the phone with you when you make this call. I am with you every step of the way, mm-hmm. you know, so important to have that message. So you know that you're not alone, right. right? In this, but I have my partner here with mm-hmm. me and it takes away, you know, hopefully like some of the edge or some of the stigma right that you know i'm just doing this you know by myself and like while yes you may be you know engaged or starting to engage in psychotherapy knowing that well no my partner is involved in this process and in some cases they can be part of the you know therapy space right you know as well and sometimes that's helpful and disarming you know to the mom too Mm -hmm. um because this is the system the unit that's being impacted as well so Mm -hmm. just a very compassionate gentle approach okay that's perfect Mm -hmm. oh my gosh this has been really enlightening thank you so much you're welcome and so for my guests i my listeners Mm -hmm. i'm saying guests i'm not sure you're my (laughs) guest but um for my listeners i'm gonna put 
Shari's information in the show notes. Um, is what is the best way to contact you for any services? Do you do telehealth? Like, because I know a lot of my listeners are, are in the Caribbean as well. So, mm-hmm. so since the pandemic, I'm primarily te- telehealth, but I am going to be going back to the office as well. So it'll be a hybrid of in person okay. and telehealth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, good. So I'll leave that information in the show notes. Okay. Um, and also you mentioned there are some books, some age appropriate books that um, parents can use to just talk about mm-hmm. um, fertilities and mm-hmm. conception and mm-hmm. difficult conversations that they may need to have with their children. So off offline, I'll get you to give me those pieces, absolutely those books, yeah. and I can put it in as well. And I have some other books for adults as well, and I could always give you some of those as resources. Oh, great! The infertility yeah. workbook. That's oh. a pretty good book, and I actually have it here. Oh, let's <laughs> um, and it's good because it it has like a whole host of like exercises that one can you know, utilize like exercises and worksheets. It's called the Infertility Workbook. So that's a good resource. And then Con- Conquering Infertility by Dr. Doomer is also good as well. Okay. And then for those who may have experienced a loss, like a perinatal loss, yes. miscarriage or stillbirth, at a loss is also a good resource to have. At a loss. Yeah. Okay. So I'll send those as well. Please. So that can be listed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you. So it's, this was really good. Um, I really appreciate you taking time. Um, is it still spring break for your kids or it's done? No, it's not. <laughs> They're back to school. Yeah. Okay. They're back to They're school. Back okay. To school. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I was able to catch you and we connect and have this great conversation. Yes, this has been great. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much. I appreciate being here. Oh, you're most welcome. And I will more than likely be asking you to come back because you are not just a perinatal mental health professional, but you do general psychology as well. Absolutely. Yes. 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 I'll definitely be bringing you back. So I will see you around. Ah, sounds good. I would love to be there. Thank you. (laughs) All righty. Thank you. Thank you very much. Take care. All right. Bye. Caribbean Birth Stories has been brought to you by the Amai Birth Collection. Head over to theamaishop.com, that's the A-M-A-I shop.com, for special offers and to learn more about the Amai family. Thank you for tuning in and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. We'd be grateful if you could leave a review about what you're loving on this podcast and be sure to tune in every Tuesday for new episodes.